Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by our senior pastor, Neil Haney. For more information about our church, visit our website at vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. Dennis Kozlov, our associate pastor, and I are uh, taking a break. We're series preachers, and we've done tons of series in the last couple of years, but we have taken a break from that for just two months, September and October, so we're nearing the end of this, uh, what we're calling Unleashed. It's a non-series series of messages where we just preach what we want to preach, where we you know, go before the Lord and say, Lord, what's on your heart for, for us this week? And, and, uh, and so last week, uh, I'm going to refer to this, Dennis preached a phenomenal message about um, just how we tend to disqualify ourselves from being anything special, doing anything special in the kingdom, because we know ourselves too well. <laughs> and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to refer back to that, because we're not doing a series together, but my message really kind of springboards off of Dennis's message from last week. And the title of the message this morning is Sons of Glory. And I want to I give a, a disclaimer and a definition. The disclaimer is that when I say sons of glory, and that's the title of the message, I was going to go with children of glory, but uh, during the sermon prep team meeting on Thursday, Dennis pointed out that children refers to younger, and sons ref- refers to uh, adult children that are responsible and co-laboring with the father. And so... Uh, I I switched from children of of glory to sons of glory, and this is why. Because God wants you and me to be adult children. And when I use the word sons, that may sound very sexist, but it's not. Because during the time that the Bible was written, both the Old and the New Testament, the firstborn son always had the lion's share of the, the, the inheritance of the family. The oldest son would get two-thirds of the inheritance, and then the rest of the sons would receive uh, the, the one-third spread out among them. It doesn't seem fair. It doesn't sound fair to me, even though I'm the oldest son of my family. It'd be cool with me if I got two-thirds and my brother and sister just had to get the one-third. But anyway... Um, but here's the, here's the thing that it's just the opposite of being sexist. What God is doing through Paul and through the writer of Hebrews is basically saying, men and women alike, you are in the status of firstborn son. So ladies, you're in the status of firstborn son, just like us guys are. And so it's actually a compliment for you to be called sons of God, according to the you know, biblical tradition. So that's the disclaimer. Sons of glory, I want to define glory. And glory is this. Glory is really the presence of God being manifest because God is glorious. In fact, uh, Peter referred to God when he was talking about being with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. He and James and John were together there when Jesus revealed his glory through his earthly body and his earthly clothes and, and it was, you know, his, his clothes looked like lightning and his face shone like the sun. For just a few seconds, he revealed to them the glory that he was carrying. And he called God, who spoke 
and said, this is my son, listen to him, the majestic glory. It was the manifest presence of God right there in the voice of God speaking in the cloud that came. And so glory is the manifest presence of God. And it is expressed personally through us, his sons, his children, his sons. And so this, this morning, I really want to uh, kind of summarize what Dennis said last week and then springboard off of that into reminding you or maybe telling you for the first time, maybe you've never realized this, you're not just an old sinner saved by grace that somehow because of the blood of Jesus and the cross of Christ that somehow you're going to squeak into heaven and you know God's not going to slap you or, or, or send you the other direction. There's nothing about you that God is turned off by at this point. He loves you and, and you are glorious. In fact, in Ephesians 2, he calls you a masterpiece. Do you realize that? You are a masterpiece in his eyes. In, in 2 Corinthians 5, he calls you ambassadors. You know, I, 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 love, I love seeing children, adult children of fathers working with their dads and their moms, you know, fathers and mothers, working in the family business, working in the family, uh, you know, whatever's going on, and, and they're as committed and dedicated to what the parents have been involved in as the parents. You know, one of the things I love about working with Wes, my son, who just prayed for me, is that we're, we're now on the same team working. And, and I, told, I told him and Dennis the other day at lunch, I said, I said, you guys, I've been here 34 years. I know, that, I, know I don't even look 34 years old, but I've been here for 34 years. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Wes has been here three, and Dennis has been on staff for six months, and they are as invested in this place and in this church and in, in you guys as I am after 34 years. And I, and I love working with my son, who is, who is a co, he's an ambassador for our church. He's a co-laborer in this, in, this, in this church work. And that's what we're supposed to be, and that's what we really are <laughs> in, in the kingdom, in God's kingdom. And, uh, and unfortunately, in the church, God's people have this endemic, ongoing inferiority complex because the enemy is constantly lying to us and telling us we're less than. Uh, endemic, by the way, is a pandemic that just goes on forever. It's like COVID never ended, you know. That, that's what I'm talking about. And, and so there's an endemic, ongoing, inferior, inferiority complex with God's people. You know, and, and, and so, you know, th- th- there are scriptures that say, humble yourself before the Lord. But there's, there's, a hum- there's real humility and then there's false humility. And it says, humble yourself before the Lord that he may exalt you. <laughs> the Lord wants to exalt you. He wants to display his glory through you. You're the body of Christ. You're the body of Christ. And and I think that when Jesus allowed his body, his earthly body, to to display his glory, he was just showing us, symbolically, what we carry. Again, in, in 2 Corinthians 4, it says that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We have the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, in this earthen vessel, in in these vessels physical bodies and what Dennis said last week is that 
The people of, oh, by the way, the word presence and the word face are the same word in Hebrew. Did you know that? So to see God's presence is to see his face, and to see his face is to experience his presence. And God wants to shine his face through us to other people. And so Dennis was talking about last week how when Jesus uh, came out of the desert after his, his baptism and the Holy Spirit came on him, Jesus comes out of the desert, it says, full of the Spirit, and he goes to Galilee, and he starts doing miracles, and he starts teaching, and his reputation begins to precede him uh, as he goes home to his home church in Nazareth, where he grew up. That's where his father was a carpenter, Joseph was a carpenter there, his brothers were still there, his sisters were there, his mom still lived in Nazareth, <clears throat> and Jesus goes back. And he goes to church on Saturday. It was, church was on Saturday, you know, uh, synagogue. And as the story goes, as it came time to read from the prophets, the scroll of the book of Isaiah was handed to Jesus, and he stood up and he read what is in our Bible, Isaiah 61, which is one of the most clear prophetic uh, utterances about the coming Messiah in the entire Old Testament. And so when he read that about the Messiah being anointed by the Spirit, uh, you know, uh, proclaiming the good news, the gospel to, to the poor, healing the sick, you know, all these things, and he says, uh, and, and proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor, he rolls up the scroll, hands it back to the attendant, and he says to everyone there, they're just looking at him, and he says, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, I'm the Messiah. Now, <laughs> this is his home church. He was a little kid. He went through all the, the stages of growing up as a Jewish boy in this church, in this synagogue. His family lives there. They, he probably spent the night with somebody's kid, you know, that's sitting in the audience. Messiah was this bigger-than-life, legendary person who was going to come and, and destroy, you know, the armies of the earth and, you know, establish Israel as the great kingdom of the earth and all this. And here's this carpenter's son is declaring, I'm the Messiah. You know, I, I have a little bit of sympathy for the, the people of Nazareth. <laughs> because they're like, you know, he, he does do a lot of miracles. At least we've heard this. And, you know, he is, he, you know, for a 30-year-old, he, he's pretty wise. But Messiah? Like, don't we know his family? Didn't we see him grow up? I mean, he's a homeboy. He's a hometown kid, you know? How in the world? Why does, why does this guy claim to be the Messiah? And it says that, uh, you know, Jesus remarked to them, a prophet is honored except in his own hometown, among his own people. And they were so glad to see him that they tried to throw him off a cliff. I mean, honestly, they did. They took him to the edge of a cliff to throw him off, and he just walked right through the midst of them. I don't know what happened. I think they just got paralyzed by the Holy Spirit or something, but it wasn't his time. But guys, here's the thing. They knew him too well. They knew him in the flesh. They knew all about him. They knew his past. They, you know, they just knew too much and too familiar. And there was no way that they were going to believe that he was Messiah. There's just no way. So they, disclaim, they disqualified him. And it says that because of that, he couldn't even do any miracles in that, in that town, only heal a few people. He, 
Here's what's being said there. Because of their unbelief, the unbelief of the people of Nazareth actually hindered the Holy Spirit from having power to work miracles in Nazareth. The Spirit was hindered because they didn't believe. And you can, Dennis was saying, you can do the same thing for yourself. We were commissioned to be the body of Christ and to do the stuff that Jesus did. I'm borrowing from John Wimber now, who asked his his Bible study when he first got saved, and they were studying through the book of Mark, and Jesus is doing one miracle after another. When are we going to do the stuff? And they said, what stuff, John? And he said, the stuff that Jesus did. Like what? Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. He go, they said, no, that doesn't happen anymore. And his response was, I gave up drugs for this, you know, Bible study. And then later he found out that we actually still can do the stuff. And that's why we're a part of the Vineyard Movement is because, because John Wimber started this movement based on the fact that we can do the stuff that Jesus did. And he was only, John was only discovering what Jesus promised in John 14, 12. Anyone who believes in me will do the things that I've been doing. And he had just referred to the miracles, the signs and wonders, and even greater things than these. And he says this, you can ask me anything in my name and I will do it, that my, the Father may be glorified through the Son who's glorified through his body, you and me. And so what I want you to hear this morning is that you should not disqualify yourself because you know things about yourself that seem to make you too earthly, too human, too, uh, too sinful, too whatever. You, you, you know the good things and the bad things about yourself, but you're just too familiar with your own stuff to really believe that God could use you. And so you disqualify yourself like like the, Nazar- the people of Nazareth disqualified Jesus. Don't do that. Do not do that because you are sharing in the divine nature with Christ. You're participating. That's what Second uh, Peter 1 says. We are partakers of the divine nature in Christ, in Christ Jesus. You know, there's a, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be talking about sons of glory, which is referring to you. And don't be put off by the fact that I'm saying that you share in his glory. Um, there, there was a, there's a scripture in Isaiah 42, verse 8, that, that says, God says this, I will not share my glory with another. And you've got to understand, I always just took that as, you know, there, there's a saying there's nothing that God can't do through a person who will not touch the glory. Well, you know, that's, that's great. I understand the humility there and that we got to be careful about taking credit for, like, if, if I pray for someone and they're healed, I don't want to walk around, you know, like, well, you know, I must be pretty special. I must be pretty awesome because I just healed this person, you know. That's, you know, that, we don't want to do that. But at the same time, we don't want to be kicking the dust, you know, oh, shucks, you know, no, please don't say anything good about me because, you know, it's all, you know. That's not what this is about, guys. There's a confidence that we can carry. And so when, when God says, I won't share my glory with another, he's talking about idols. Don't give Baal and Asheroth credit for your crops and your cattle. I will not share my glory with an idol. 
And I will not give credit to a human, a man, for the power that I, I display through them. Does that make sense? But let me, let me just share... Let me just share this. You've got to understand, if, if you're going to understand why we can say that we, we can be called sons of glory, firstborn sons of glory, it's because originally this is what God intended. When he created everything, he intended for us to be sons and daughters of, of his. He, he created us to be his children, to be like him in his image, in his likeness. Really, I mean, seriously. And his, his entire intention was to create a world, an earth, where he could live with us forever. He had a son. He wanted more children. And so he creates this planet. And, and, and so he, he, you guys have to realize something. God existed forever, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in eternity. But in eternity, he determined to have us. And so everything that he created, including the angels, but all the galaxies, everything he created was simply a context to bring us into existence. You are the greatest thing that was ever created or ever will be created. And God's deepest desire is to spend eternity with you in glory. <laughs> And you're the focus of his attention. What else is he going to focus on? The angels are good. The universe is, you know, I mean, it's winding down because of Adam and Eve's sin, but he's going to make new heavens and new earth. So that's all getting taken care of at the end. His main focus is you. I hope that doesn't make you nervous, that his eyes are on you constantly. He never takes his eyes off of you. Even when you're asleep, he never sleeps. You're the focus of God's attention. That's how important you are. That's how significant you are. And God wants to shine his glory through you. And so we got to understand, you know, the, the purpose of creation was about you being God's children, God's sons and daughters, firstborn sons who are sharing not only in his inheritance but also co-laboring with him. And, and his purpose in redemption is for the same thing, to, for us to be restored to what we lost through Adam and Eve's sin. And that's what Christ has done. Christ has restored us beyond what Adam and Eve ever knew, except for we have fallen bodies now. And we're still, we're still capable of sinning in our current condition. But we also have a relationship with God that Adam and Eve never had, in that we carry now... Uh, we carry his spirit, his presence, but we're also giving that away. We're also co-laboring with God in a way that, that Adam and Eve never got a chance to, really. Because sin came so early in this whole thing. But I want to share about redemption and about what God has done for us in, in Christ regarding this whole thing of glory. In Hebrews chapter 1, and I believe we have this scripture, Hebrews 1, beginning with verse 5, Jesus is being described here by the writer of Hebrews to Jewish Christians who were undergoing severe persecution and they were looking at <clears throat> maybe giving up 
their faith in Christ and going back to Judaism. And the writer of Hebrews is trying to convince them not to do that. And so in verse 5 of, of chapter, chapter 1, he says, It is not to angels that he, God, subjected the world to come about which we, we are speaking. So we're not talking about angels here. We're talking about Jesus and we're talking about humans. <laughs> Jesus is greater than angels. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than anything. And he is all about you. <laughs> this is awesome. But there is a place somewhere where someone testified, and this is David, what is humankind that you are mindful of them? Look at that word mindful. It means your mind is full of something. God's mind is full of you and me. His focus is on us. What is humankind that you are mindful of them and son of man that you care for him? Talking about Jesus. You made them, us, a little lower than the angels, and I believe that's in proximity, not in importance. You crowned them with, look, glory and honor. You crowned them, us, with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. We were supposed to rule over everything on this earth. In putting everything under them, God left nothing that was not subject to them. We were supposed to rule over everything. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to them. You know, I mean, if, if you go in the wrong place in the forest and you come upon a bear cub, you better get out of there because mama bear is coming after you pretty quickly because mama bear right now isn't subject to you. But there will come a time when everything is subject to us again. But we do see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels, again, proximity, not importance, for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor, because he suffered death so that the, by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone, every one of us. Now listen to this, verse 10, in bringing many sons, to, sons and daughters to glory, and actually in the original, it's, it doesn't say daughters. Again, it's firstborn sons. In bringing many sons to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. It wasn't that Jesus was imperfect, but he's more complete now that he's not only Lord, he's also Savior. He's also taking that extra step to become our hero. <laughs> Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family so Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He's not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. Before the resurrection, we were slaves and then friends. After the resurrection, Jesus says to Mary, immediately after his resurrection that morning, he says to Mary in the garden, go tell my brothers that I'm going to their father, to my father and their father, to my God and their God. After the cross, we're now brothers and sisters of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're in the family. We're brought into the family. I just think that's awesome. So God's purpose in redemption was to restore us to the very purpose for which he created us, to be sons and daughters in his image, in his likeness to bear his glory, to take his presence into the world. 
And he's restored that now. And I want to I read another scripture. This is uh, Romans 8. Um, and and I, I just want you to hear this with fresh ears. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. So we're adopted as sons. And by him we cry, Abba, which means daddy in Hebrew, father. So we call him daddy and father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs and heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we all may also share in his glory. There it is again. For I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. You know, in my mind, I would switch that preposition from in to to when I read that scripture. I had blinders on. I had this screen of, of misunderstanding that I was going to, that the present sufferings couldn't be compared to the glory that I was going to see when I got to be with Jesus in person. That's not what it says. It says the glory to be revealed in us. Just like the glory was revealed that was in Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration, that glory is going to be revealed someday. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed fully. For creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. And I know this isn't on the screen, but I'm just reading it anyway. That the creation itself be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. There it is again, referring to us. Verse 23, not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we eagerly await our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. Someday these old physical bodies that are wearing out are going to be changed and we're going to be given a spiritual body that can never wear out and we will be in the fullness of our glory with the Lord. But it gets better, folks. It gets better. Verse 28, and we know that In all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. There it is again. God wanted children. Jesus wanted brothers and sisters. And a bride. (laughs) That's kind of weird, but, but go with me. And those he predestined, he also called... And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Past tense. There's a future glory that will be fullness. Just like Jesus is in the fullness of his glory now at the right hand of the Father. John saw that glory in, in the Revelation. He didn't look like the last time he saw Jesus on earth in that Revelation. And neither will we. John says in verse or chapter 3 of 1 John, we don't know what we'll be like, but we'll be just like him when we're with him. So we have a future glory, but we also have a, a current glory. Just one more quick scripture, uh, and, and this is just to drive on the point. 
It's in Jesus' prayer at the end of his life when he's with the disciples at the Last Supper. And he's talking to the Father now, and he's talked about, Father, glorify me with the glory that I had with you before the world was, before the universe was created. And then in verse 18, he says, you sent me into the world, and I have sent them into the world. Jesus said to them after his resurrection, as the Father sent me, I send you. All authority I have been given in heaven and on earth, now go in my authority. I mean, it's, okay. Verse 20, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. And I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. Jesus says, Father, I've given them the glory that you gave me. Guys, you carry that glory. And I want to, let me just read this one more verse and then I want to illustrate this. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and I have loved them even as you, uh, I'm sorry, the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Jesus is saying something mind-blowing there. Not only do we share in his glory, but the Father loves us just like he loves Jesus. How can that be? When I look at myself, I say disqualified. God looks at me and he says, masterpiece. God looks at you and says, masterpiece, ambassador, carrier of my glory. Guys, it's true. Yeah, it's in earthen vessels, but it's still there. Two quick stories. When I was um, in, in, in 2012, many of you know that I had a complete breakdown because I didn't understand the grace of God. And I didn't understand the relationship of father and son. I thought he was my boss and I was his employee. And I was failing badly as an employee. I was growing the church in the wrong direction. Every year we'd we'd shrink some. I didn't realize that was happening everywhere. But anyway, I took total responsibility. And at a certain point, I just had a meltdown. For a year. (laughs) I mean, I'm embarrassed to say that. But I started having anxiety attacks in January of 2012. And... um, after I had uh, inadvertently confessed to a professional counselor that I had thought about taking a bottle of sleeping pills and disappearing, I got, I got to stay in a, a nice hotel called a mental hospital in South Columbus. Yeah. And so, a little embarrassing, but, you know, whatever. Um, I needed to be there, really. And... Um, it was that first day in the hospital in, January, in December of 2012 was my lowest day in my life. It was my worst day on this planet. I mean, I, I didn't have to bend over to walk under a door. I mean, you know, so I, I felt that low. Um, and I, I'll try to make this brief, but the Lord met me that first day and sent, it was not a Christian facility, but he sent six Christians that worked at that facility to minister to me over a period of about 16 hours. From the time I got there until 6 o'clock that evening, one after another after another Christian encountered me, and, and they ministered to me, and I didn't tell anybody I was a Christian. I mean, I, you know, they just somehow sensed that, and they called me out, and some of them had seen my charts, and they knew I was a pastor. 
But here's what happened. The last encounter, there was a young woman. She was a little older than Wes. She was probably in her early 30s. And she, um, I had been in her office earlier in the morning um, uh, with her colleague doing an intake. And, uh, you know, her colleague says, you know, why, uh, you know what's your name? What, what's your profession? Why are you here? Well, you know, Neil Haney, uh, I'm a pastor, and, and I'm here because I'm suicidal, and I think I've lost my salvation. I'm very, very depressed, and I really did think I'd lost my salvation. I, I couldn't feel the Lord's presence. I was so depressed. And so uh, her colleague, the, uh, the girl that was uh, taking, doing the intake, we were in the size of a room that was like six feet by six feet, so there's no way that she didn't overhear everything I said. So as she's leaving for work that night, she sees me, and, and she had just locked the door of her office and started past me, and she said, Mr. Haney, could I talk with you? And I'm like, sure, I don't have anything to do. So we went back in her office, and I sat down in the chair beside her desk. And she said, first of all, I want to apologize to you for not saying this earlier to you, but... Um, I, I disobeyed the Lord, and I didn't say what I'm about to say to you this morning, so I want to say it now. The Lord said to, to tell you four things. You, you, um, you're not crazy. I know crazy, and you're not crazy. You're not demon-possessed. I know demonized, and you're not that. You haven't lost your salvation. Now, listen to this. The worst day of my life, the lowest day of my life, when I felt the least of God in my life ever, she said, when you walked in the office, you brought the presence of God. I felt the presence of God come in with you. And I see Jesus in your eyes right now. I was depressed out of my mind, suicidal, having the worst day of my life. And I brought the presence of God in and she could see Jesus in my eyes. Now, can I take credit for that? No. But was it true? Obviously. And she said, you will go back and pastor your church. I thought I was done here. I didn't think I'd ever speak from this stage again, ever. And yet here I am. She was right. And that was the turning point. That, I, I became, I mean, from that point forward, I started coming out of depression. And I've never been back. And I don't intend to go back. Because I do understand the grace of God in the relationship now. Fast forward a couple of years I'm a hunter. I'm not a shopper. I go into a store knowing where I'm to go, what I want. I get it. I go through the quickest checkout I can find, and I'm out the door. Amen. Thank you, <laughs> you fellow hunters. Yeah, I'm not a shopper. I'm a hunter. So I stopped by Walmart on my way back to a meeting with Lynn Adams, uh, the, the, my uh, office administrator here at the time, and uh, I ran in and got what I wanted, and I'm, I'm, I go through the quick line, and I'm on my way out the door. I got, I got 10 minutes to get back to church for my meeting with her. And this woman passes me, and the Lord said, I want you to talk to her. And I said, nope, I don't have time. I, I, you know, I've told stories like this recently. I, I'm kind of hard to deal with. The Lord really has to slap me upside the head sometimes to get my attention. And we ha often have arguments like this. I don't have time. I'm too busy. i got to go home and cook, whatever. Well, today I had a meeting. So this is a really good excuse not to talk to this woman. And so I'm standing between the doors that open and close by, you know, sensor. So the doors are like opening and closing, you know, and I'm standing there between them. And there are people passing me, but, but I'm having this mental argument with God. I'm trying not to talk out loud so I don't have to go back to the hospital, you know what I'm saying? 
So, so anyway, um, the Lord says, no, I, I, I want you, Lynn will understand. I'm like, dang it, she will. Okay, so I, I turned around, and just in time to see this woman go down one, you know, like five aisles down from the entrance, she turned left, and, and so I'm walking very slowly. I don't care now about Lynn and the meeting. I'm walking really slowly, and I'm having a hard time with this, and I was like, Lord, if I'm going to talk to her, you've got to give me something. And he said, ask her about her daughter. Well, oh, great. I don't even know if this woman has a daughter, you know? That's what I'm saying to myself. Of course, he overhears me, and he just says, just ask her about her daughter. All right, so... I turn the corner, and she's, stand, and she's in the material aisle, you know, where bulk material. I didn't know they had that at Walmart. I never looked for it, never hunted for that. So anyway, she's pulling something out, you know, and I walk up, and, and I'm, you know, how do you, like, how do you approach a total stranger? You know, she, know, she doesn't know me. I don't know her, but I got to have this conversation. So I'm, I'm walking up, and she looks at me. She, see, she senses someone coming, and she breaks out in a big smile. Now, I'm not that, I know myself, I'm not that good looking, you know. She's about my age. And she, and, and I said, um, ma'am, I'm, I'm a pastor in, uh, here in town, and I just felt like the Lord wanted me to, to tell you something. And she shoves the material back, and she turns around, and she's still smiling. And I said, uh, I'm supposed to ask you about your daughter. And all of a sudden, she's just, oh. And she's like, yeah. She said, my, my daughter left her husband a few months ago and, and her three children, and she's living with somebody. And I've been praying that she would come back. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just dropped in this word. Tell her she's going to come back, that I've heard her prayers, and her daughter's going to come back to her husband. And so by then, I, you know, I'm already crossed the chicken line at this point. I'm, I'm game for anything. So I just deliver the message. I feel like the Lord is saying that your daughter's going to come back. He's heard your, God's heard your prayers. Your daughter's coming back. And don't worry. And she just bursts out in tears. And I said, could I pray for you? And she sticks her hands out. Total stranger. She wants to hold my hand now. So, again, I, I know it's not me. You know, so I walk up and I take her hands and I pray my best prayer that I can, you know, just God, just, just give her your peace and and Lord, just help her trust that you've heard her and that everything's going to be okay. I get done. She gives me a hug. <laughs> I walk away really glad that I listened to the Lord. But here's the thing. I honestly don't believe that most of the time women are that open to a strange guy walking up to them and encountering them. But she saw something that I was carrying that I wasn't really even in a good mood about. Like it wasn't because I'm so spiritual and I was like, yeah, I'll go talk to her, you know. I'm, God used me in spite of me. But, but I carry something that you carry something that God can use, okay? I want you to hear that. You are sons of glory. Would you start acting like it? Okay. Dennis, I want you to come up and, and share what... Uh, Dennis got a prophetic word. Actually, this came through uh, a dream that his wife had, Marina had. And I want, it, this really applies to what we're talking about. And then you can close the service. All right. Works good. Uh, good morning, church. You carry the glory of God. Some of you don't believe that, but you carry it. Well, anyway, uh, God speaks to me often through dreams. 
God used me in dreams interpretation and often in our family God speaks to us and often he gives a dream to my wife she describes she shares it with me and all of a sudden boom I said that's from the Lord that's that's a message that's a message recently something like that happened she had a weird dream she said I had a weird dream I said well share it she said in that dream you and I all of a sudden we have a baby boy I didn't give birth to him we just kind of happen to have him now and she said now I feel like we have to care for this baby boy it's a little infant and I started looking at him and the closer I looked the more disturbed I was because uh, it was a little baby boy but he developed the full set of signs of an old person his skin was dry and you know a lot of pigmentation spots you know how old people grow over the time uh, yeah. Well, yeah so it was a baby but it had a lot of signs of an old person and then she started like uh, changing diapers and his uh, reproductive organs were not very good they were like old and like dried up and there were like bugs running out so not really this is disturbing scary image and she the baby had a kind of a tattoo that was like became part of him she said like do babies are our babies are even born with tattoos and the tattoo was like a a wheel with the spokes and the hub in the middle and I said Lord what is it and I believe the Lord told me that we it, it's it applies to mostly Christians who have been Christians for many years and they have grown old without growing mature they skipped a lot of stages and the Lord is speaking to you right now and it happened because at a certain point you decided to play it safe so you you created a little reservation for your Christian life you even still go to church and you participate in something Christian and this will represents going through motions you go through motions but there is no you decided not to spill over something that God deposited in you in your daily living and it happened years ago and you proudly put the Christian bumper sticker on your car maybe or like you identify as a Christian but you you live in this compartmentalized world does it make sense I, I and here I, you know me I'm a preacher of grace I'm not here to diminish your bashing but the Lord is calling you to repent for going through motions stepping out in faith born again again begin to believe what this man is preaching what I'm preaching begin to receive the gospel begin to look at yourself with the eyes that say eyes of faith that say oh there's more to you than you know about yourself you carry the nature of God now you carry the presence of God and as you go through your day or through your week learn to interact with the Lord and allow him to do those little interruptions in your daily routines like this woman that he described God is gonna send you to people you are one with the Lord and you are on a mission mission is to let the Holy Spirit in you be spilled over to somebody else it's not gonna happen if you don't decide in your heart to make yourself available for that
Does it make sense? That's the only way. So this dream is also about responding and allowing the Lord to remove the callus from your heart so that you would fall in love. You know, the reproductive organs in boys at a certain age make boys crazy about girls. You know, that's an image that God is using. God is madly in love with you, but you act like an old wise man, slow and rational and uh, man of prudence. There should be a stage of passion in your life. And God is inviting you into intimate relationship with Him in a secret that manifests in children born into this world of God with your participation. Does it make sense? So this is not diminishing. This is hopeful. God is inviting even those of you who have been Christians for years to step into substantial experiential reality of His presence in your life, in you, and through you into the lives of other people. That's the word for us today. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about our church, visit vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge.